Hey there, Lockdown listeners. This is your host, Tony St. James, and today I'm joined with... Robin Petering is here. Hey, Tony. Hey, how you doing? I think I'm doing, I'm doing good. Yeah. yeah that's nice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a good answer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, just another Monday, another week. I'm excited to um, be chatting with you. Yes. Um, So today our subject or I guess our host is someone very amazing, someone we've worked with multiple times, wears a lot of hats and above all is a great friend and her name is Sage. And do you want to talk about what we talked about? Yeah, Sage came on and we, we had a discussion around a topic that was really something that she had been very passionate about lately and, and got her revved up, which was the removal of basic um, basic needs uh, resources, including hygiene stations, porta-potties across the city by our local uh, government. And, you know, that kind of led into a general discussion about, you know, the political landscape that's currently happening here in Los Angeles and, uh, yeah, what we can think about going forward. So, you know, it was great to have... Uh, both Tony and Sage's perspective on all this. And it's definitely, it was definitely a good one because it's like sometimes you think you follow up with things and then you end up learning a lot more than you should. So you guys get ready to, you know, learn something new. Yep, let's, let's hear it. I have a guest, co-host, co-pilot today, a returning guest, Sage, how are you? Hey, everybody. I'm doing well today, Robin. I am happy to talk about this because it may seem like a small thing. Like, well, it's a hand washing station. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, it's more than that. How else are we going to combat this pandemic without basic access to some form of sanitation? So I'm here to talk about that today. I will more so not speak about it too much from the policy side because Mm -hmm. even that... I have not really kept up with. I will be speaking about it as a person who cares and someone who's been reading the news articles and how it's just very trifling on all ends except ours because we see the baloney of it. Yeah, the baloney of it. Yeah. So today we uh, we wanted to talk about porta potties and hand washing stations, just basic sanitation, and the reason why we're talking about this everyone's talking about this right now is because what was it like a week, a week and a half ago, a story came out that um, someone kind of broke this, this, they found out that the city was removing uh, porta potties and hand washing stations from encampments um, across the city. They were kind of like secretly removing them, I guess. Right. Yeah. But so how did they get there? So that's the thing. On what I read, they were and they were um, they were erected back in April 2020 as a response to the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And more so it was kind of long overdue because because we were already advocating for outdoor sanitation for folks due to, you know, people were constantly being shuffled around during the sweeps away from areas that they knew they could use the restroom or wash their hands or get some kind of sink water for necessities. Mm-hmm. Going back to the interview I had did with Theo where he was like, he had to travel miles just to go use the bathroom. But come on, 
So the hand washing stations came at a very perfect time. And that's the only time I'm used perfect here. (laughs) (laughs) They came at a perfect time. They have rolled out over 400 of them in Los Angeles City. Not the county, but the city. Yeah, the city. And also they have pressure from attorneys. I'm trying to think of the attorney in particular, but there was pressure from attorneys also to make sure that people were able to access and maintain, excuse me, they're able to maintain their basic hygiene throughout the pandemic. And LA Sanitation will be one of the main departments to make sure that there will be constant maintenance, weekly maintenance mm-hmm. on these stations. So that way they can always be in continuous use. Yeah. Wow. You summed up, you summed it up really well. Uh, but, you know, one of the things last year, April 2020, the beginning of the COVID pandemic, not many people, we didn't really understand what was happening and what was going on, right? But immediately some of the first things uh, in April was the realization that Los Angeles has, you know, tens of thousands of people living unsheltered and living outside and how vulnerable um, they are were and continue to be to the pandemic. And so kind of one of the only things the city did um, is was set up these, you know, basic hand washing stations that they were telling everyone, wash your hands, right? And so how can you tell people to wash their hands if there's, you have not provided that, that infrastructure for folks? So they did. And you said there were 400? Yes, Based on, let me go to the article, exactly, this is from Spectrum News on Mm -hmm. August 16, 2020. Over 400 hand-washing stations have been rolled out in Los Angeles during the pandemic to help homeless people maintain basic hygiene, but some are reportedly running out of water and soap and not receiving regular maintenance. Yeah. This is from Spectrum News 1. Love Spectrum News 1. Yeah, and so even 400, like, just simple math last year or kind of at our last count estimate there were 40,000 people um living unsheltered so that's basically you know is that basically how one hand washing station to 100 people so 100 people um share the hand washing station so they're not being maintained they're not necessarily even enough um, not enough at all. And um, and now here we are. But, you know, it was something that as advocates bef- prior to the pandemic, advocates have been advocating for uh, services instead of like kind of just like basic public health services for yes. for folks that are living outside. Tony's here. Hey, Tony, how are you? Hey, hey, guys. How you guys doing? Good. Well, I'm great today, Tony. How you doing? Good. How are you? Sage, it's so nice having you on the podcast. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's so fun having Sage. Thank um, you. I'm glad to be back with y'all. <laughs> uh, so one of the things that advocates have been advocating for for the prior to the pandemic was was for building out basic city um, public health infrastructure including like hand, uh, hand washing stations, permanent um, bathrooms, um, uh, trash services is a really important one as well. Uh, those have been demands that have been kind of like 
brought to the city for a very long time that weren't being met until the pandemic. And then, um, and then here we are today. So Sage, you were talking about the maintenance of the porta potties and things. Yes. So forgive me, I had misquoted saying that the stations, both hand washing and porta potties, will be maintenance weekly. That was giving too much credit. I just um, reread that in a press conference that Mayor Garcetti was a part of. He said that they will be maintenance daily by the Los Angeles Sanitation Department. That is daily maintenance (laughs) for all 400 stations. God, he just likes to say things. Really, it's just, it's really... He has a history. Yes, he has a history of throwing around numbers that he that he himself cannot quite keep up with. I've witnessed it, and it's it's disheartening because it's like don't inflate people's hope to make yourself seem like this bright, gleaming light when in actuality there's no transparency. He rides on the fact that he is an Angelino and he understands, but sir. I I can't even claim you as an Angelino because you have never understood many of the things that you have had to oversee here in Los Angeles. And yes, you may reside in your own personal um, enclosure over there in the, what is that? It's, I think the, it's like the Highland area. The Getty House is what it's called. It's, yes. The yeah. Getty House. In the Getty and house. I, quite frankly, I am going to be happy when it, either he goes to India for a while, but I would love for him to actually put out a message that says, I have failed y'all as the mayor. Oh, yeah. He's not going to do that. <laughs> is that going to happen? Though? Oh, yeah. He won't do that. But he's on his way out. I think he's like moving out of the Getty House, you know, currently. Yeah. Yes, I believe he just appointed Did- his um, standing in deputy. Let me get the name for them. Do I know who it is and what they're, I mean, I feel like every mayor should have a stance already on the homeless crisis in LA. Yeah, every politician basically in Los Angeles has a stance on homelessness because it's yeah. one of the most, the most pressing crisis in um you know, the thing that now everyone cares about. Don't we already have a deputy mayor? I don't know. I think so. But the, what will happen is there'll be an interim mayor that will be appointed. Because um, he was going to term out anyways at the end. He had a one more year. So uh, people are already campaigning for 2022. For They were already campaigning for his job. So someone will hold that job just for a year while um, the others duke it out to get elected for it. So we have a governor and a mayor up for re-election. Well, position. Yeah. There yes. are, no one's, no one has a, a you know, a steady uh, footing in these local leaderships. Yeah. Because I was going to say, wasn't New York just doing, well, I know they were doing just a democratic one, but at least they were ahead of it. And campaigning, but I'm like, they, everyone just seems to be chill. They yeah. had a mayor campaign. They just elected a new mayor. I, I think they're on different cycles than us. So we'll start getting a lot more mayor campaigning in like the next couple of months. I think we should honestly show up and um, and talk about, ask, ask these questions. If we do get opportunities to show up at mayor debates just to see where they stand in and what their plans yeah, are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so one of the things the mayor did was this. And Sage, did you get more stats on it or were you looking for things? I got more stats. And before I 
um, segue into that, I do want to say that City Council President Nuri Martinez is the acting mayor when Garcetti is already out of state for his many Mm -hmm. job duties that Mm -hmm. no one knows about. So she is likely to serve as the interim mayor until a special election is held. And I'm getting this from NBC Los Angeles News. Yeah, there won't be a special election. It'll just be the election. Awesome. Okay, so the stats I pulled up were, and this is very disheartening, so I'm getting this from the Center for Health Journalism.org. And it pretty much is an Excel sheet that has all that is showing screenshots of the addresses for mm-hmm. the addresses for the stations, their soap levels, whether they have water or paper towels, and what is the station's overall condition. And then it has the vendor who is um, contracted to serve that station. Mm-hmm. So we have what I'm looking at from August 20, August of last year, pretty much all the ones that are surrounding the immediate Skid Row area, 4th and Los Angeles, Main and 6th, 4th and Main, Main and 3rd, the corner of Central and 7th, Town and 7th, 7th and Stanford. All of these report on August 22nd in the morning that there is no soap, there is no water, there are no paper towels. The hand soap dispensers are broken or non-existent. Yeah. So that's around Skid Row. It's the most densely uh, populated, one of the most densely populated areas for folks that are living unsheltered. And you have these stations and they, but they're not necessarily even useful at that point. Correct. I don't know if you guys have talked, uh, I was going to ask you, um, Sage, if you know anything about this, but who, who, so was the city funding this or did someone say, you know, donate, say like, I'm just going to donate porta parties and hand washing station and they just, or where was the money to buy all this product coming from? They were fund. the city was funding it. So essentially there's a contractor, there's a company that provides porta potties and things like that to, you know, events, festivals, blah, 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 things like that. So they um, struck a deal with that contract or with that contractor in the city paid for, like essentially rented them and then probably paid for their maintenance. And Sage, you were saying it came out of like uh, the sanitation budget potentially. Yes. So the sanitate, so LA sanitation department is who maintenance them and the vendors are United and Andy Gump. Those are the two vendors that people mostly see for festivals or for just construction properties when mm-hmm. new buildings are being erected and everything. So those are the two main vendors that I see on these stats. Yep. So what did you all think about, obviously, when um, when you heard the news that the hand-washing stations were being removed? I just think that, you know, sometimes people forget that not everyone has a bathroom at home or something at home and we say that we care about our city and our people and we're going through a pandemic but all of a sudden you're stopping a service that you know throughout the pandemic the first things you heard were wash your hands and put on a mask Mm -hmm. and it's like what part of their their message did they not get that homeless people also need access to clean water and sanitation services so they also can stay protected and keep our city safe because it's like i feel like sometimes we say that yes 
we acknowledge that there there is a huge crisis in LA, but sometimes we also forget that these people are also part of the city. Like, just because you're homeless does not make Mm -hmm. it all part of the city. So I think it's that if we're saying, oh, we want Los Angeles to go back to being open, that means having services available for everyone, including those, uh, you know, sanitation services and photo patties and hand-washing stations. Like, those are part of keeping us from going back into another lockdown. So I don't know why you would take that away and yet say, oh, cases are on the rise and we need to stay safe. It's like, pick pick a... Yeah, that's an interesting... You kind of made me think of an interesting thing that, you know, by providing services often in these basic things, it's not... It's It supports, like, everyone benefits from this, right? It's like our streets are cleaner people people the public health if the general health and welfare of angelinos are better you know like the the concept of that oh we're just like giving services and they don't deserve it or blah 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 it's like no this like actually like holistically we all everyone will benefit from this uh yeah but it's very that's a hard thing for people to wrap around, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, people just want the problem to go away without realizing there are necessary steps in order for this problem to go away in the long term. The problem being, I'm not even going to go from a NIMBY standpoint, just get these people out of my face. They don't have a home. They don't have a job, blah, blah, blah. Whoop-de-whoop. I'm not speaking from that. I'm speaking about the policies behind keeping people having to live on the streets. And I'm not even talking about shelter-based or the hidden homeless population. I'm talking about strict without street-based homelessness. It's like, if you don't want to see street-based homelessness, then stop fighting back from us trying to at least minimize more issues and core morbidities that are going to come out due to people living on the street. Mm-hmm. And that is and that is taking away these hand sta- these hand stations and these porta potties. So here's an article from centerofhealthjournalism.org. This was on June 16, 2021. Portable hi- portable hygiene station vendors picked up a client made a major client just as events came to a screeching halt when the pandemic emerged a little over a year ago. The city with the largest unhoused population, <laughs> that's us unfortunately needed to roll out hundreds of portable hand-washing stations and toilets to dozens of encampments across the city. Not only that, they needed the units to be serviced at least once a day indefinitely, no timeline. The job paid hundreds of thousands of dollars each month and was ultimately split between a few vendors. United Site Services, the nation's leader in portable toilet rentals, delivered more than 200 hand-washing stations and the majority of the nearly 200 porta-potties. Andy Gump, a local family-owned business based in Santa Clarita, California, supplied around 50 hand-washing stations. Later, National Construction and a few other suppliers delivered less than 15 units each as nationwide demand for hand-washing stations reportedly grew as a result of the pandemic. None of the vendors agreed to comment on the series of stories. None comment? Yeah. None commented. Well, one of the things, too, I read, because I think, um, is that the contract isn't even over. It's so from the Andy Gump perspective, right? It's not like, like those um, resources have already been rented out essentially through October. So it's not even like 
things are opening back up. There's music festivals, there's re- like county fairs and blah, blah, blah. And they need to shift those resources to like the private sector. Um, no, because they, they already were planning on having them out through October. So the city is preemptively kind of ending that contract. Yes. Did you all see, so the mayor spoke, I think yesterday or the day before with, with council president, president Nuri Martinez about this. And they're mm-hmm. saying that, um, you know, they're taking away the toilets. So, but they're, they want to invest in more like these things called the mobile pit stops which are like the showers and the toilets that come and are staffed and cleaned. I don't know. Have you all seen those? I have seen the mobile pit stops. I have seen the showers and those, my, I have seen the showers being used. I know that those showers typically run on two to three day a week schedules and only for about three to four hours a day. Mm-hmm. My thing is if, if mayor and interim mayor would like to see more of those, then those will need to be available 24-7 at multiple locations. Yeah. Possibly not 400 locations like the sanitation spots, but they will need to run as a 24-7 entity. Like those just can't be from Monday from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. when we have staff for it. No, those would have to run all day, every day, indefinitely. So this just seems to me like they're trying to pacify the noise. But when it comes to plan execution, it's just another it's just another useless thing on the street mm-hmm. where the masses can't use. And the reason why I say the masses can't use is because during the beginning of the pandemic, remember when we all had to conserve those N95 masks or mm-hmm. the hospital masks? and that they were using them for medical staff. That means that people have to supplement those with cloth masks. How are you able to keep a cloth mask clean if you don't have a way to wash it? Yeah. With no soap and no water. So those hand-washing stations weren't just there for show or a way to document the the deterioration of Los Angeles. No. How are people supposed to stay safe if you can't even wash your mask? Yeah, that's a great point. And in the background or the thing that is happening in the background of all of this, too, is the pandemic is not over. And we're actually kind of cases are going up at a really uh, concerning rate. So in the risk for COVID is now, um, you know, pretty, pretty great. Yes. And the risk and COVID, we had a spike last year around the same time, the same three-week time that we're having this year due to um, them saying, well, since the numbers aren't going up on a daily average as they once were, then we're able to, you know, we can lighten up the mask mandate. They did this again, as we can see this year and last year, two different intensities, but same pattern that's evolving. Mm -hmm. My thing is the average assessed hand-washing station from April tw- of April 2020 to August 2020. It was a four-month span. It started off at 155 hand-washing stations being averaged on a seven-day average, <laughs> all the way down to 58 averaged a day. These are for hand-washing stations. <laughs> it went down 60%. Wow. However, the COVID cases which we started off with a seven-day average of 
on April 8th, 2020, 635. This peaked on July 13th, 2020 with 2,864 the COVID cases, they went down from this, from this um, peak at, 11, at 1,138. That is when we reached the 58 averagely, averaged um, hand-washing stations being serviced. Ultimately, what this chart shows me is that no matter that there was a peak in COVID, where were the hand-washing stations being serviced? And we're seeing that again this time around. Yeah, it's really... Or we're seeing them worse this time around because they're not even not servicing them they're removing the services so completely yeah you know one thing too is you kind of think through like why why is all this and and during that press conference that the mayor was and uh council president nuri martinez she said this thing and i want to i think we should talk about it she said they they didn't one of the reasons they were taking away the porta potties um, and the hand washing stations was they did not want people to normalize living in encampments. So this idea of like getting too comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Keep going, Robin. No, that's it. So she said, you know, they're, they, she kind of said this thing along the lines. Um, people say this all the time of like, if you give people services they might get too comfortable being homeless and never want to leave the streets that's kind of that's what essentially she said yeah (laughs) i'm sorry what the i know it's awful that is our interim mayor (laughs) giving someone a basic access to a toilet makes makes the whole intensity of homelessness like comfortability it does not go from a motel six overnight That is the disconnect of our political leaders to the actualities of people's daily lives who they should be advocating more for. Mm-hmm. No, homelessness is not a comfortability. But having, we have water here in a dry state. Why are we not giving it to people to use, to use the restroom, to wash the mask, to wash the hands, to get water at the middle of the night when the, when the 7-Eleven doesn't want to let people in or the subway is about to close? What Wait. makes that a comfortability? Um, Robin, yeah. when did she say this? Or when did they say this? I think this was yesterday or the day before. I'll find it. And they said this uh, to who? Uh, in a press conference to Los Angeles. I also <laughs> feel like we need to address the fact that a lot of times when these politicians, they're speaking. Yeah, you're not really addressing the homeless population. You're addressing people on TV who just want to hear you say you're doing something about something, which is essentially a band-aid to a huge crisis. So it's like, when you say that to me, I'm like, as if, if I were on the street, I'm like, what, why did you just like, you know, that doesn't make sense. But I feel like to a person sitting at home, they're like, oh yeah, we don't want homeless people to get comfortable with um, whatever. But then your next question should be, so if you don't want them to get comfortable, then why are you not providing housing for them? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. This is disgusting. It is utterly disgusting. It's despicable. 
last year we were at five people um, passing away a day on the streets or it was four. No, forgive me. It was four because it was last year was four. And I think we're already at five this year. So it, it's just the genocide for me. It's the lack of actually caring about your constituents' well-being is really giving a dollar sign to the top to the toleration behind whether people deserve basic things. Like I would love for her plumbing to go out and mm. see what she has to do. See I'm how sure she's one of those that is. Yeah. See how yeah, comfortable but... the hot welder in your building goes out, then you have to go use it at your local gym. Let's start there. Let's mm. bring you down and humble you a couple trudges before you can say that, oh, having access to hand washing makes homelessness comfortable. Lady, please. They don't even do that. If they were to do that, they would probably have to clean it out the area for the TVs and bring in a brand new porta patty just to make it look like oh they do actually have working stuff like leave the yeah. cameras behind and actually show up on the ground and see what at the fuck is actually happening because people politicians doing things just for the sake of TV it is getting tiring because it's like you're essentially playing with your constituents and it's like you keep all these little solutions or all these little things saying, oh, we've we provided this and that. It's like, but you didn't. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, one of kind of the other thing in the background that's likely happening is there are, you know, politicians often make decisions based on requests from a small minority of very loud and very potentially um, rich constituents right so mm. if someone a housed person is like i don't want to see a porta potty on my street or not even on my street like i don't want to see a porta potty when i drive to work it's like so they're starting to remove those things and it's just it's very well it's very frustrating obviously um but it's very transparent kind of what these these the decisions that are being made um are not I mean, for the reasons that they even say they're, yeah. We get it, cash is king, but it's also like you keep catering. Like, you're right. Yeah, they keep catering to people who have everything so mm -hmm. they can avoid actually taking care of the people who those people who have everything are complaining about. I mean, I get it. The city officials are supposed to be handling this, but let's all be honest. This also has to do with the people who live in the city it's like you can't every day complain oh there's a homeless crisis going on but then again be the same person who's signing papers to stop order patties from being put down in your street like yeah or right. homeless people moving next door into a building next to you so it's like you're complaining that they're on the street but you're also complaining that they're being put in the building next to you it's like what's it's like, gonna what do you want? yeah what do you want and i i really would like for those influential and affluent people to realize that equality and necessary equity for unhoused people is going to better your living experience as well because we don't want people on the street. We don't want people to have to go miles to try to find a restroom open. We, we have overlapping concerns that we would just like to solve long-term mm -hmm. long problems, but hopefully indefinite solutions yeah so yeah, I mean, that timeline yeah that's exactly it often you know i 
at least stated, right, advocates uh, for, you know, that are trying to advocate for mm, unhoused, the unhoused population having basic human rights and, um, you know, those like living humanely and having access to those things. And then also what we would call like the NIMBYs, you know, have share the same goal of like, yeah, this is bad. People should not be living like this. And, and, and we want to like for folks to exit street homelessness. However, you know, it's often that the way to get there is different, obviously clearly different for the two groups. And it, usually in my mind, it's like, here's a short-term quick fix it, or let's do the hard work and it might take a long time. And, but it's like what you said, it would be indefinite potentially. Yes. And um, we're also coming from opposing sides as well, where we're supposed to meet in the middle with nimbyism, they're looking at it from the vanity standpoint. I don't want to look at homelessness. I don't mm-hmm. care about your policies, but I do not want to look at it. It is dirty. It makes me feel some kind of way. It makes me feel like my money isn't really green. I paid for this place. Why do I have to look at people who don't have much? This is a quote from people I've encountered in the past. So I had to put on a little California Valley Girl accent. <laughs> but then from the policy standpoint, which we are always fighting through, we don't want to see homelessness either, but we don't want the problem to have to exist at all. We're not looking at it from the vanity standpoint. We're looking at the policy. How can we get people into interim shelters, into permanent supportive housing, into affordable housing, into different sections of housing? So while the NIMBYs have the green to back it up to make it look pretty, we're the ones getting our boots, hands, and butts dirty trying to get the politicians to stop looking at the greenery and start, look, and start looking at the people mm-hmm. where the green is going to go to. And then they keep skimming funds off the top. <laughs> but it's also like, I do want to say that we can't say that this process is something that would take long or we don't know how to figure it out. Because if anything, 2020 has taught us is if these people put their minds to something, they can do it. Because Project Room Key was rolled out so fast and people, as I mean, it might have not been what everyone wanted, but we saw that a crisis happened and people had to make, you know, fast decisions and put people into housing. So I'm like, like lately I've been thinking a lot about it. I'm like, why are we so still trying to figure out how to tackle this thing when this virus happened, we quickly, quickly snapped. Yes, money came from FEMA, but it's also like, I feel like if politics wasn't involved and people put their politics aside and said, we actually want to help people, I feel like this is a problem that could be fixed in the next five to 10 years. Mm-hmm. So wait, are you saying another five to 10 years of what kind of solutions? Because I'm More already like been in permanent this solution, permanent housing for people. Not every, well, I'm not saying everyone is going to get housed all of a sudden in five years, but I'm saying more permanent solutions can come forward because it's like if you can pay a building to be like, I'm going to use your hotel to put people in, then the city can afford to buy all those buildings that are empty downtown or lease them at least and start converting them into actual housing, low income housing for people. I mean, yeah. I know that's not how politics works, but well, it could. it's. 
It's interesting. It's a thing that, you know, um, we saw that city council passed this, the ordinance for 4118, which is an anti-camping ordinance, which will um, effectively make zones across the city where people cannot, uh, where unhoused people cannot exist, essentially. And uh, they... It did not take them long to pass that ordinance. They got that through very fast. They rushed it. They did it. But when, you know, there's things like real solutions and stuff like that, things get stuck in this process and linger and labor through. And and, and it's always so frustrating because it's like, we know you guys can do things fast because we've seen it. And every time you do things fast, though, it's often when you're taking away rights from people. Also, um... Robin, to kind of bring a conversation we had this week with people from New York, what's mm-hmm. the law for New York for homeless people is uh, you have a right to housing or something? So in New York, it's, it's different. Um, they, they had a lawsuit or something in the 70s, and New York has a right to shelter. So for every, every person that is experiencing homelessness in New York, there needs to be a matching shelter bed. So New York has... And the cities run all the shelter. Um, if if someone is experiencing homelessness, they have to go to kind of this main uh, center, shelter center, and then are assigned to different places. Uh, the shelters are apparently supposed to be awful um, and dangerous. And, uh, and they spend, New York spends about $3 billion a year on shelters. So what they've done because of this right to housing is they've kind of made, they've invested all of so much of their resources into a giant shelter system instead of social housing and affordable housing, permanent supportive housing and things like that. So people are essentially just stuck. Oh, so it's not even a good something that we would be able to adapt or make it better. No, I mean like right to shelter is right to shelter, right? You know, it's not right to housing. It's different. So there is an article for the Coalition for Homelessness for the Coalition for Homeless.org. The basic facts about homelessness in New York City. In recent years, homelessness in New York City has reached the highest level since the Great Depression of the 1930s. In May 2021, there are there were 51,882 homeless people, including 16,000 homeless children sleeping each night in the New York City municipal Mm -hmm. shelter system. A near record thousand of 20,000 single adults slept in shelters in May in 2021. Over the course of the city fiscal year 2020, over 122, well, we'll round it up, 123,000 different homeless men, women, and children slept in the shelter system. This includes almost 40,000 children. And in 2015, when they did their research, about, you know, where are people's zip codes coming from of why are y'all all coming here sort of thing. It's just narrowed down to a few clustered zip codes in the poorest neighborhoods of New York City. Yeah, it's, it's the New York City uh, comparison is so interesting to me because they have, we share a lot of uh, similar struggles and policy kind of um, battles, but the, it's also kind of very different too and but it, but it's like the same in it, at its core right it's they're temporary solutions um it's not actually investing in 
real solutions and long-term solutions and, and kind of, yeah, <laughs> perpetuating these, um, the state of inequality in these places. So, well, my question, going back, let's bring it back. This has been a great episode because we're really getting into uh, some some stuff, you know, even though we started out just talking about hand-washing stations, like you can see how um, layered this issue is and how connected it is to other things. But I guess like Sage and Tony, like what, what, I guess, would you tell them to do instead? Like, what should the city be doing instead? Um, I think they need to stop catering to people that are already housed. Like, I get it. They have loud voices and they're contributing to your campaigns. But if you really want to fix this uh, crisis, then cater to the people who actually need the help. Stop mm-hmm. listening to, yes, cash is king, money Money speaks louder than things. We know that, but it's like truly if any city is not just in LA, it's like if anyone truly wants to tackle this, they have to start from the ground up with the people on the ground, not trying to do what pleases what who has the money or who's paying for your next campaign because that's never going to benefit anyone that's on the street unless you're talking to people on the street and helping them and actual actually coming up with permanent solution, not small band-aids to please people, but actual permanent solutions. That's how mm. I feel like this, the city is, you know, we're going to get better is if we're actually taking this a case by case. Cause it's also like when you're trying to talk about homelessness, but all you ever talk about is oh Venice or Skid Row. It's like, that's just one side of this crisis. It's not, it's not everything. Like you have to tackle everything differently because not every case is always going to be the same and stop putting everything all under one umbrella and trying to, you know, make it look a certain way. So that's, that's how I see it. Um, I don't know how you see Sage, but. For myself, I, Tony, I agree with you on it's time to really take into account unhoused people's perspective and let's work from our our viewpoint by saying our currently housed, formerly unhoused, because I always say this, we are the direct results of the system. We are the stats that people have to read about in order to understand homelessness. So why not actually have the stat tell you about how to go forth so we can stop repeating the same thing because I'm really tired of like repeating this never ending cycle of homelessness. And every time something seems like it's being progressive, it's actually, it hurts. Like, yeah, we got 400 sanitation stations. Now they're all being cherry picked. Well, I mean, they already kind of been cherry picked um, starting last year, particularly around the surge of COVID in July as I um, quoted earlier from those stats, but it's very, I'm going to need them to move out the way and just sign the papers that we all as advocates come to an agreement on because they are not thinking of the livelihood and the quality of life for unhoused people. And the quality of life is not saying that, Oh, because you're in Los Angeles, um, that's already a good thing because you're here and you're not in the Midwest. First off, Los Angeles is just a brand name. It has lost many of its family values because of the great exodus out of California. So quite frankly, we are a gift shop that people cannot afford to live at. Mm-hmm. That is what Los Angeles has come to. 
Yeah. And going on that, I would like for them to actually take into consideration that this is a fluid time in history. We're in a pandemic. That means that the survival skills and the money management that happened pre-pandemic may no longer apply to this specific time period. So why are we not innovating for um, temporary solutions right now and hopefully transition those into permanent solutions later? Now, those same solutions we come to right now should also have the flexibility and the fluidity to change with the times. But mm -hmm. just taking away basic needs and calling it um, a doggone confection and a concession, it's like, no. Why would you take away? I'm still stuck on the taking away hand washing station. It doesn't make sense. Where are people supposed to go to the restroom? And then the complaints about there being defecation on the streets and urine. I'm tired of that too. But if you didn't take away the doggone toilet mm. at Willoughby and McCadden, then there wouldn't be um, blankety blank on the street. Yeah. They do things in their own worst interest for money and for power, but it, it doesn't work with you because now you have all this soiledness to your name. Do you want to be known as a poopy leader? Because yeah. real leadership, yes, you have to get dirty, but you don't have to like do this particular bleep and a bleep. I'm really, I'm really proud of myself for censoring <laughs> myself right now. <laughs> we didn't ask you to, but I, I'm proud of you as well. Um, yeah, Sage, that's totally right. And I think like going off of what both of you said, you know, I think kind of this energy and these thoughts and this frustrations and anger, like what's so important is that we continue to kind of build the power of our communities and people that, you know, the only way that we can actually kind of come up against the, the power of, you know, those very rich, small group of individuals is by, you know, aligning together and making sure that we're like, like building a movement, essentially, you know, it's so important. I also, mm -hmm. Go ahead, Tom. I also think that we need to humanize people, like stop dehumanizing homeless people. Like they are first and foremost, they're also human beings just like us. Mm -hmm. Agree. And I think often people forget, they're like, oh, these people, they're defecating or they're doing this and this. These people are human beings. They may not have a toilet like you do, but they're still human beings. And I think sometimes we forget that and we make them, we, we make them the problem instead of making it, they're experiencing something but they're still humans going through something mm -hmm. yeah because we've all like you know we've all lived you know we've all experienced homelessness and now that it's like it's funny because it's like the way my interactions were with people while i was you know going through homelessness and you know getting services it is so much different from when I started being in the, you know, being part of the service provider and providing services, it was like, and I get it, like, you know, it is a client thing. And now when I became, when I was working, you know, I could see the different shifts and then dynamics. But it's like, at the end of the day, it's like, we have to respect everyone experiencing homelessness. And remember that these were people, they didn't ask to be homeless and they didn't ask to be put in these situations. So we have to start respecting them and humanizing them. Yeah. And also including their struggles as a part of the solution. I'm not saying exploitation, 
but really taking the where have um, we fallen short as a city. The reason I say we, because I like to sit in on the policy meetings and kind of sway into the favor of housing, of those and housing and security. It's the, it's taking people's problems and making them the solution versus trying to pull these solutions from the air and then taking them back because then they're supposed to be a luxury. You gave me a cloud to keep me cool, but then you wanted to take back the water when it rained. Oh, wow. You're so good at coming up with these metaphors. Sage, I'm always so jealous. It's really, really. Um, uh, I don't know where that came from impressive. either. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can. I'm so happy that we had this conversation, and you know, Tony and Sage. Of course, you know it's just been. I, I so appreciate being able to work alongside you all, and yeah, I feel like we could talk about this forever. So why don't we? We'll have Sage. You need to come back as much as you want. <laughs> oh yes, yeah. Sage. <laughs> You wear so many hats and all of them are so important and all the, your knowledge, I feel like you can always be put in any room and you're just given a subject as long as it's pertaining to anything. I feel like you can lead the meeting and be like, oh, this is what we're going to talk about and this is what's happening. And I feel like that's why I feel like it's always important to talk to you or if I feel like I'm not familiar with something I always know I hit Sage up and I you know even when me and Robin were talking about who can we have on this I was like oh my god this whole week I've been getting informed about what's happening in the city by just watching your stories and listening to your stories about what's happening in their own city because I personally feel like I've kind of tapped out because it's just like there's just so much overwhelming things going on but it's like, I do keep up with your stories and I do see what's going on. And I do appreciate that. And I feel like a lot of people, you know, if you're ever looking for information, if you're a listener and you're always looking for information, I don't know, Sage, if you're looking for people to follow you or find you on Instagram, but I feel like you would be a great resource for people if it's not, if it's in a good professional way. Oh, thank you, Tony. And I also know how to keep um, my close friends a tab a little more close friends. So it's fine if people want to follow me about this. I just don't post. Like, my stories are the most informative part of my page. But I'm trying to change that up because I I like to know about things. And Tony, I'm just like you. I get burnt out from this constant, like, every time it's, every time it's another day, it's another cartwheel that I have to look at. And a lot of these stuff does not make sense. And I don't mean like I don't understand the jargon. I don't understand the numbers. It's honestly, it has no basis. It's really like people in power are talking out of their bleepity bleeps. And I'm really trying to understand like what kind of long-term solution is this? There is no empathy when it's coming to the human services portion of this. And if people want to follow me, I'm on Instagram or across social media at what it do sagey sagey spelled s-a-g-i-e um it's an open page so just follow but please respect my privacy when it's come time to <laughs> and ultimately i just want to say that i'm tired of people's lives and livelihoods and quality of life being played with everyone is talking about the degradation of society Maybe if society were to be built back up in this simplest form, yes, it's not a simple thing. Homelessness is never simple, including the policies around it. But if we can build this part back up, I feel like the possibilities are endless. Absolutely. And hopefully with Garcetti going to India, 
sayonara um no shade i feel that with him leaving no, the city, yes, <laughs> i feel with him departing from the city because i'm not going to talk about his credentials to be a u.s ambassador i'm not going to do that right now i don't think it works <laughs> but i'm not going to do that right now because if he cannot even represent his home sir you are le- what is that saying don't go on to vacation with a dirty house if those, if whoever you are going to work for comes here and see that, if whoever were to go in India and come back and see what Garcetti actually left, he would not even be accepted as the U.S. ambassador. So again, a lot of things do not make sense in a greater scheme of things. But I know at the end of the day, homelessness is, I don't want it to be here to stay. Policies need to be fixed. Livelihoods need to be fixed. Mm-hmm. And I'm tired, but there's a fight that's going to keep being fought. And Tony, thank you, because I do wear many hats. And sometimes I just want to put this hat in the closet and let it be and kind of breathe. But I feel so much something, I mean, more than empathy on the inside. Every time I see somebody on the street, it's like, why are their bodies on the boulevard? This, does anyone else not see that this person is just laying out in the street? Like, like I feel like triaging the situation right there. But it's it's more than just giving them a band-aid. We have to give them like a band-aid plus a home, whatever that home may look like. And I'm not just talking about like our average apartment because there needs to be equitable housing. People are gonna need supportive services around getting integrated back into society. Living on the street is no easy feat. I also feel like the city also needs to fix its mental health services. Um, Because I know they're very backed up and people don't have access to mental health services and they should um, either keep hiring more therapists and more people to help people. But I think they need to increase because I know when I hired, when I first wanted to get a therapist through the city, um, they put me on a wait list for five months. Mm. So, wow. I don't know who that's helping. Yeah. I know it's kind of like, yeah, it's so weird of just being that, that wait is so long. I I don't, that was a very um, stunted way to, to reply to that, but you guys are so smart. We have to wrap it up for today and I appreciate both you and see you next time. Dogtown. Thank you, Robin. Thank you, Tony. Love y'all a lot. This podcast is produced by Lensco in partnership with Safe Place for Youth and funded by the Department of Mental Health Innovations 2.